Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I am your host, Keeper Blakesley, and today we're going to be talking about the films How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, Alita Battle Angel, Fighting with My Family, and Spider-Man the Sp- Into the Spider-Verse. We are just came back from the Oscars on Sunday. Hope everyone got a chance to be with some friends and family and bet on which was winning. It was a, quite a show, and there was a lot of shocking but also great success stories that happened for the biggest night in Hollywood. But today, we're going to be starting out the show talking to a very special guest. He is a Grammy Award winner and entertainer for children's content of all ages. He is here to talk about his newest album, which was nominated for an Emmy this year, Building Blocks. We have here on the show Tim Kubart. Thank you so much for being on the show, sir. Hey, Kiefer. We're, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's great to have you here. So uh, before we got, we go into talking about Building Blocks, which, by the way, I got a chance to listen to, and it is sensational, uh, I want to talk about like how you got into creating music for kids and um, what kind of was your passion for that. So um, let's, go, um, let's go right into it. Um, sure. So, uh, well, what started, what started this? Cool. Well, um, so I was kind of always a musician. I started in school, actually, and then... When I was in high school and things, I had a lot of like punk rock bands and stuff. I went to college and I was still doing sort of punk rock bands and things like that. Uh, but in my college to graduate, you had to put a certain amount of hours towards volunteer work. And I, they gave us a big list of places we could volunteer. And I picked a homeless shelter for women and children on the Upper West Side of um, Manhattan, New York City. And I would go to the shelter and I would take care of kids in the nursery. I would read stories to them or help with snack time or just sort of help out and play and things like that um, about twice a week. And then the director of the homeless shelter heard a rumor that I was playing in rock bands on the side and he said why don't you come in next week and bring your guitar and i said oh oh okay but i don't know any kids songs and he said well learn some so i learned the wheels and the bus and things like that and i wrote a song called the octopus song and the first time i played for kids was at this shelter on the upper west side and it was really the easiest decision i had ever made with my life and with my career uh within a song or two i just thought to myself oh this is what I do and this is the type of work I want to do. And it's been kind of ever since then, I was 19 years old and it's, it's all I've done ever since really. And the rest they say is history. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's shown through your impressive body of work. Um, you've won a, you won a Grammy for your, um, your last, for your last album, which was home. And now you're back with this wonderful new album, um, building blocks. So tell us a little about how the process came to making this, this particular album come to life. Oh, Great question. Uh, so it takes a long time to make an album. It took us about oh, about a year and a half to make it, and it's only 12 songs, but really a lot of work goes into it. Um, I have a songwriting partner named Matt and a producing partner. So the songwriting partner, you can kind of know what that means, but a producing uh, a, a producer is more someone who uh, it, the song might come as just me playing a guitar and singing, and he would Dominic is his name. Uh, he listens to that and thinks, oh, what could this sound like when it eventually ends up on the record? So me, my songwriting partner, Matt, and my producing partner, Dominic, all went up to a cabin in upstate New York and spent nine days there and really talked about uh, kind of where we were in our lives and how we're kind of 
uh, we, we, we came to a conclusion that like, we are all still growing, even though we're grownups now. Uh, and that's where we felt like it related to kids and families that kind of this idea that everyone's growing, everyone's learning to care about more things. So that was sort of the core theme of what we were going to do. And then it was, what are the songs going to be? What is it going to sound like? And all of us love pop radio. We love Taylor Swift and we love Katy Perry. And we wanted to make something that sounded like it could stand up next to a Taylor Swift album, uh, but be about growing and caring. And, and uh, yeah. Yep. No, continue. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, and then it it we spent about nine days making what is this going to sound like? And you sort of make demos. And then for the next few months after that, you bring in different musicians we had oh uh, some very special guests too genevieve goings who's genevieve from choo choo soul on disney uh came on steve burns steve from blues clues was there my good friend carly who is uh was a host of sunny set up with me and now host uh, snug's house on universal kids uh, and then on top of that we also even had the chorus from my elementary school a, a 93rd graders all sang on the record all together so it was really just a huge amount of people that came together to make this record and it shows because with this, with, with creating these type of songs and music, it's it's nice to be able to have so many of your of your friends and dear loved ones to come and put all their hearts and soul into this album. And it really does show through the music. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. Yes. And so with this album, of, of course, I think we can both agree that uh, as entertainers in music or in television and film, that it's important to create quality content. But I think it's more important, especially for children because giving them not only quality content but educational and uplifting and creating so they can be able to have a, a good foundation for later for on. Sure. Uh, yeah, so you know, in some ways when I think of the word quality for children's entertainment, uh, sometimes I think quality can mean two things. It can mean kind of just kind of how polished it is, or it can mean is this right for kids to listen to or kids to watch or kids to read. And I think I find that I'm more interested in if this is right, if this is a good thing for families to share together. Uh, and then secondary, is it super high quality as in does it sound great or is it super polished? Uh, I would pick first, is it right? And then the other parts can be there or not there, but more important, what are we, what are we giving kids? What are we giving families? Totally agree, absolutely, 100%. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. If you're just tuning in to us, we are talking to the wonderful Tim Kubart about his new uh, album, Building Blocks. And we're also going to be talking about the films How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, Elite Battle Agent. And of course, we'll be talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But we're going to continue our conversation with our good friend Tim here. So um, what do you feel like is the most fulfilling part about creating music and also performing for these for children? Well, definitely when I feel most fulfilled is if I look into the audience and a family knows every word to a song. And then you you know that you might be the the thing that they share in the morning around the breakfast table. And that's really why I, I it, it's just really nice that the work that me and my friends might do in, you know, my friend's basement studio has made its way into a family's life. And that that is really, really special. And and then also I've gotten videos of uh choruses of, of school choruses uh singing our songs and just that's that is just amazing and like beyond my wildest dream it's really nice when the song might resonate with someone to be able to enter their lives or to all sing it's got a really 
yeah, I can only imagine how that feels just to see everybody else. You you work so hard creating these songs and then just to see everyone else enjoy that because that's what it's all about. It's for, Absolutely. It's for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, what would you say was the most challenging part on creating um, Building Blocks? Well, uh, I'll tell you, the most challenging part a lot of times about art is, I'm going to be honest, is money. Uh, it's it, because it's 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 a very difficult business when you want to make something because you don't you don't know myself I make all of my things with my own money so I I go out and I do other work I sing at a lot of kids birthday parties and I try to save up as much money as I can so that I can make other things and then it's you become very worried that uh, you might be spending all of this on something and then it might end up being absolutely nothing and no one will listen to it and no one will. So it's really it's really money and, and believing in yourself, too. It's very challenging to make these types of things happen. True. It's always, with, with, especially with art, it's always like you got talent, but it's right place, right look, right time. And of exactly. course, the money to back it. But yep. thankfully, you've you've been able to create wonderful albums and be able to find that that support and backup through the connections that you've made yeah thank you very much uh yeah and and really it's it's my life is either i'm making things or i'm trying to uh work so that i can make more things which is absolutely amazing so it's interesting how at least with especially children's media has changed over time with streaming services and all that so uh, as someone who's still growing in this especially in the music industry for children. How do you feel like the music, the children's music industry has changed and what do you see the future of it going? Oh, it's changed a lot. I mean, first of all, I feel like there's so much more, which I like. Uh, also, a lot of times people wouldn't be able to really discover too many things beyond maybe somebody came through your town and was selling CDs, or it might be something that you've seen on television. And that was pretty much the only two ways you could discover things. But now with streaming services, especially for music, because there are um, affordable streaming services that have so many children's artists on it, I think it's uh, becoming now finding the right fit for you and your family. And it's and then as an artist, it's trying to reach all those people and and let them know that you're the right fit for their family so it's it's kind of in, in children's music is kind of in a uh, like a growing pain kind of situation where it's 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 completely accessible but it's hard to let people know that it's happening mm-hmm. and how does one like yourself try to try to figure out that say hey families this is our music is right for you Oh, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, what we're doing right now is part of it, but also I, I try to perform a lot. I try to get in front of as many kids and families as I can. And when people have a really nice time in a live performance, then a lot of times they'll, they'll remember that performance and then kind of live on that performance with listening to the music over and over. Nothing beats a live performance. And it's oh great. yeah, for sure. And are there any uh, are, you, are there any live performances that you're going to be doing in the near future? Oh, you know, uh, people can go to uh, I, I post a lot uh, on my Facebook, facebook.com slash Tim Kubart, K-U-B-A-R-T or Tim And I'll let people know right now. It's a little it, it's it's the springtime. There's not as much going on in the summer, though. I'll be all over the place. I haven't released all those dates, but I'm going all over. I think I'm even getting up in China, too. So uh, so I'm, I'm going to be on a lot of car rides and a lot of plane rides this summer. Well, I look forward to those dates. Thank you so much, Mr. Kubart, for being on the show. And I look forward to 
more fun, joyous music from you. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Always fantastic. Well, if you, like he said, go to timcooper.com to check out more information for dates and also for figuring out where you can buy Building Blocks. It's a wonderful album. I highly recommend it. Please go check it out. It's perfect for your family and for the kids. With that said, let's take a break. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Yokai Watch Season 1. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hello and welcome back to the program kids first coming attractions i am your host keeper blakesley and this show is sponsored by yokai watch season one right now we just got done talking about building blocks with tim kubart and we're going to continue this radio show talking to the wonderful zoe about the new Big, big blockbuster IMAX screening of Alita Battle Angel. Thank you so much, Zoe, for being on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's get right into it, shall we? So this film has been advertised as a film you have to see on the big screen. It's Robert Rodriguez, James Cameron, big, huge, fantastic film based off of a well-beloved anime. How does it hold up, Zoe? Oh, um, I thought that this was a really good film. And I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, the film, it didn't really bore me that much, which I really liked because I didn't get, like, the scenes weren't too long and I liked that they didn't really make it long. So I really, I feel like it flowed nicely. And overall, it was a pretty good film and I definitely um, liked it. So is this a film that you have to see on the big screen? Yes, you need to see this film, but you also need to see it in 3D because if you don't see it in 3D, then you're not really getting everything because the 3D is the best version that you can see it, and it definitely gives like something else to the film that you can't see in just regular, um, just like seeing it regularly. So um, what makes this film different from, than from other like 3D action films? Well, I feel like... You've never really seen a story like this before, and it's it's very different because there are so many other 
you don't really see this from other action films, and it's very different because they, um, they the like the filmmakers didn't really rely on CGI, and they had like the motion capture process. And I don't really feel like you see that in a lot of films, and I it's very different and unique, and it it was really good and different. So uh, tell us a little about the action in this film, because it looks like it's a really action-packed film. Yeah, they had a lot of um, action in this film. But, um, yes, there's a lot of action in this film. And Alita, she's always doing other things. And there's always just something new that's happening. And so you always see something new. And almost, like, all the scenes in this film are just filled with action. And there's always something new happening with Alita, and she's always doing something. So she's always, like, having an action scene or a fight with someone, which I also really enjoyed in the film. Yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for these kind of films, especially with uh, these motion capture type of action flicks. It just, it looks really interesting and visually stunning, uh, especially since it is, you know, produced by a very well-known director James Cameron and of course a very prolific interesting director Robert Rodriguez with like Spy Kids and Sin City so it's great to see him back on the big screen you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions I'm your host Kiefer Blakesley this show is sponsored by Yo-Kai Watch Season 1 we're going to continue our conversation with the wonderful Zoe about Alita Battle Angel so Zoe what do you feel like is the best part in this whole film um I feel it's kind of like how different it is and I also I feel like the action like if the film didn't have all these action things I feel like it wouldn't be as good as it is because everything that's happening it all has a meaning and if if it doesn't have really all these action things and stuff it doesn't really become a movie anymore or it's just very boring and lame and so if like the action is a very important part and I feel like it definitely brings a lot to the film and of course, Alita also, she is very important in the film as well. Wonderful. Uh, what would you say is your favorite character in this film? My favorite character would probably have to be Alita. And there's also this adorable little dog in the film. And I, I love pets or dogs in general. <laughs> and he was really cute. So I would have to say Alita and this little dog that was in the film as well. Oh, sounds adorable. So, if you had to describe this film in three words, what would they be? Unpredictable, incredible, and different. A diff- an unpredictable, different, incredible film. Sounds like a great thing to see. Sounds like a great film to see on the big screen, of course, on a wonderful Friday night just to go check out with the family. So, uh, what would you say is this film's moral? Um, I feel like the lesson of this film is that we all have to, we all have to trust each other and we, we all have to stick together because we can sometimes really mess this world up, but if we stick together, then we can definitely accomplish something great. Great more to teach us about teamwork and of course, especially with this very kind of post-apocalyptic world is definitely staying together to help each other out is a very important lesson. Now, uh, was there anything in this film that you felt like they could have done differently or anything that you just kind of, any criticisms you have of it? 
Well, um, I honestly, I, I definitely enjoyed it all the way through. And I wouldn't change anything about it. I feel like the filmmakers really like know what they were doing when they were making it. And overall, there was really nothing that like really bugged me or just that really I just felt like it shouldn't really have been included. So overall, I don't really think that there was much like there was not really anything bad about this film. And I really enjoy that as well. So I can enjoy it all the way through. Now, what would you say is the age recommendation for this film? I think it would be probably for 13 and to 20 or something. I Because I also, like, adults could definitely enjoy this film. And I feel like everyone can, but I probably 13 to, like, 20 and older. Definitely, especially fans of the original source material and, of course, for the high-flying action. So, um, what would you say? How many stars would you give this film, and why? I think I would definitely give this film five out of five stars because it was a good movie in general. There's nothing that really upset me at all. Um, also, uh, the storyline is very good, and I definitely liked how the the story was very like. I liked the timeline and how it was all put together. Can you um can you elaborate on that? So like what what about the story that you enjoyed the most about it? I enjoyed how the filmmakers put the story together and I also enjoyed how you can like understand the message in it and how it was basically just all put together and incorporated into the film. I also liked the story because it just I felt like with especially Alita, her character, you can make it like a special connection with her. And it's just kind of because Alita, she brings like a nice warm and a human touch to the film. And I definitely like that. So it would the storyline and all that really came together, especially with Alita. Well, fantastic. Well, I definitely need to go see this film because I've been hearing so much about it and you sold it. So I'm going to go check it out. Thank you so much, Zoe, for talking about Alita Battle Angel. Thank you for having me. This film is out in theaters now, so please go check it out while it's on the big screen. This is not something that you stream on Netflix at your home on your laptop. You need to get off your butt and go into a movie theater to see it where it needs to be seen. IMAX 3D. So please go check it out. With that said, I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we're going to take a break. This show is sponsored by Yokai Watch Season 1. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? 
Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley, and we just got done talking about Alito Alita Battle Angel and also Building Blocks by Tim Kubart. Right now I want to talk to the wonderful Arjun about Fighting With My Family, which sounds actually more lighthearted and funnier than the title presents itself. This film is Stephen Merchant's new comedy uh, film, and I'm very excited to talk about it because, honestly, this has everything I need and want. It's a film about a, fa- a wrestling family. It's got Drain the Rock Johnson. It's got Nick Frost. It's It's got everything, and I'm so excited to talk about it with Arjun. So, Arjun, with all that said, what did you think about this film overall? Uh, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the trailers, I was a little worried just because it didn't look like a very good movie. And it's WWE Studios. Let's be real. They're on, like, what, the Marine 13? I mean, but all jokes aside, this was an absolutely amazing movie. Like, I was honestly shocked by how amazing it was. But then I, I when I looked up on the director and writer, it was none other than Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant. Merchant, um, butchering Stephen a little, uh, who did a lot of the Brit BBC Office, which I've seen a lot of, and it's a very funny show. And he just he just has a unique sense of comedy. And then I was like, you know what? No wonder it was so good. Now this film, I agree with you. When I first saw it, I thought it was just gonna be a nice little popcorn flick. This nice little thing, just like, oh, okay, cute and everything. But apparently, through reviews I've read, it kind of it takes the like the sports drama cliches and it kind of like puts it on its head. So like, tell us a bit about like how the story was crafted and how it avoids like typical cliches. All right. So the story is it basically it's in chronological order, which is one thing I also really liked. I think a lot of these biopic movies tend to overdo it with the whole like non-linear timeline and i'm just like it's it's a biographical movie you kind of just want to see it from start to finish and that's exactly what they do here it follows um page who is a a wwe diva and um her real name is soraya i believe and she has a brother zach and they they have this dream you know they wrestle a lot and and they eventually get to compete for the wwe but Soraya is the one who ends up getting in, not Zach, and that kind of causes a little bit of a split. There's a very nice storyline involving Zach from that, and it's really about just her her struggle to overcome the rigorous training and all sorts of that thing, that stuff. So, on the whole, it sounds like a typical sports drama underdog story, but what makes this film different than other sports films? I think that it... It doesn't, like, go by too much of the cliches, like, the training montages here are, I mean, there are some training montages, but they don't take full center stage. It's really just about the family and just their dynamic and just all of the characters. They're written so well. You know, they're like, they're, they're like human beings. They're not, like, over-the-top characters, you know. The, the stuff they say is just hilarious and, and totally, like, something, you know, sometimes I'll joke with my friends, but, uh, 
Um, I, I just think it was really nice to see a movie for once where everyone just has a relatable dynamic. Um, it's really hard to make like such people who are really big in real life just more human and relatable. Now, this film is a well, a, a BBC kind of production. No, it's not officially BBC. Sorry, it is a British produced film. So a lot of the humor is British comedy, British actors, and of course crew members. So. How do you feel like the comedy translates over here? I think the comedy translates very well. I think at first, like for some audiences, I didn't really have a problem with the comedy. It can be a little lewd at times. And, you know, sometimes people will be like, okay, how do I relate with these people? These are literally the, this is literally the dirtiest family on the planet. They, they make all these dirty jokes and all this, but what it really comes down to, they're, they're a family at heart. You know, they have this, they have this weird way of, of tackling things, but they, they really love for each other. They care for each other. And most of all, they, they have a united goal in just, you know, wrestling and just doing it for fun, I guess. You know, they, they even have their organization where they help out people in need. Um, I just, I thought that was very neat. It does sound very neat, especially with a title of Fighting With My Family. It does sound like a very nice empowering of, like, the importance of family and the importance of supporting each other through your dreams. And a lot of films tackle that subject, but it's nice to have a film that actually tackles it, tackles with it in a fresher, more, you know, heartwarming way. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. This show is sponsored by Yokai Watch Season 1. And we're going to continue with Arjun talking about fighting with my family. So, um, Arjun, what do you say is... Tell us about the comedy as well. You talked about how it's a little bit, it is a little bit lewd and sometimes very raunchy, but uh, comedy is very subjective. But did you find it funny? I found it absolutely hilarious. Um, it doesn't push any, it, I mean, yeah, it kind of cuts some boundaries sometimes, but it doesn't push it. It's it's very tastefully done, just kind of funny because I said it was uh, rather raunchy earlier, but um they, they know how to do their comedy, you know. They know how to do it without making it seem like these characters are inhumane and all of that sort of stuff. I, I especially love this one scene where um, Nick Frost, I, I think his name in the movie is Ricky Knight, the actual, like, person. Um, he's with this one, like, wrestler, and he's just he's just toying with them the whole time. He's, like, trying to see how much he can take. You know, he lands a, a, a punch to his face and all that sorts of stuff and you know when you think about it it's a little bit of a cruel scene but they just they make it work so well that it's done so funny and naturally certainly and that's and that's great because i don't know i grew up watching a lot more british humor stuff like monty python and of course sherlock and doctor who so i'm more toned to it and i i just enjoy the kind of dry humor of british comedy more so uh tell us about you since the characters are like the driving force of this especially with the family. Well, who were who some of your favorite characters in this film? So, of course, I got to hand it off to Florence Pug. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Sometimes British names, you know, I don't get that right. But uh, she did. She was excellent as Paige. Um, you know, she absolutely nailed the character. I didn't know much about, the char- uh, much about Paige, the actual wrestler in real life. I've just heard about her from the news. But um, I can definitely see why she's such an inspiring icon, you know, the, the hard work and just the perseverance, he nails, like, the roll down. But I think one of my other favorite characters was uh, Jack Loden, Loudon, as Zach. I mean, her brother, I just think his struggle was, it was so relatable. Like, the way they presented it, you know, this was, like, his dream and what he wanted to be doing. 
and it's it's very it is very heartbreaking to kind of watch his character descend but there's also we also follow his character as he kind of goes on a quest of sort of realizing that ev- everything around him and kind of getting over that dream and it's very relatably done and his character arc is very inspiring as well we got also mention the family who are played by Nick Frost and Lena Headey I will admit they don't really have too much in the movie um, but they, they're they're kind of there to like show the family just like the support and all of that, and of course Vince Vaughn was in the movie. I didn't know beforehand. He plays the main coach. It's just just great. He has a really dry humor as well, and it's a lot of characters. But Dwayne Johnson, he plays himself. Enough said. Yeah, which is really funny from some of the promotion I've seen, and it's also interesting. This is based off a true story, uh, so. I don't know. I, I'm not one for watching WWE or sports in general, but I have a soft spot for sports movies, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, or even now wrestling. I have a soft spot for those underdog stories. So uh, what would you say is the age range for this film? I think I would give it a 12 to 18. There are some sexual references, and there's there's a lot of language. It's not very strong language, but it's it's, you know, there's a lot of just, you know, raunchy humor along that sort of line, but I would have to give it a 4.5 out of 5 stars. And why is that? Um, I do feel like the movie is a, a little cliched at times, and when it comes to presenting the actual sport of, of like, wrestling, it, it doesn't go into too much of the nuances. They briefly ref, uh, reference how it's, like, sort of a stage sport, and I would have actually liked to see more on that. But the movie is titled Fighting With My Family, and its main focus was to flesh out all the characters and their journey to, to how they became who they are, I guess. Well, absolutely lovely. And, of course, thank you so much, Arjun, for talking about Fighting With My Family. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. This movie is out in theaters now, so please go check it out. It's got laughs. It's got heart. It's a great movie for the whole family, so go check it out. With that said, I am your host, Keefer Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Yo-Kai Watch Season 1. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You 
are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Arjun from Brentwood, Tennessee, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've just been talking about building blocks with Tim Kubert, Alita Battle Angel, and Fighting With My Family. And next, we'll be talking with Kiefer Blakesley about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Hello, Kiefer. Howdy, sir. I'm very excited to talk about this. Yeah, it was absolutely one of last year's best movies. I mean, so I guess on a first question, what did you overall think of its Oscar win as best animated feature? Well deserved, well deserved. Okay, the Oscars this year were like, meh. So I really didn't really care about them, but I'm so happy that Spider-Verse won best animated picture. Honestly, it could have gone to any of them this year. This year was a really great year for animation, and Isle of Dogs is also a great innovation for for stop motion. But Spider-Verse, what made this film different, what made this film absolutely one of the best films of the year entirely, uh, was its very unique animation style of feeling like you're flipping through a comic book. Um, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, you'll love this film. If you're just getting introduced to, to Spider-Man, you'll still love this film because it's a different type of Spider-Man that I haven't seen before. And it's great because I live in I live in Santa Ana, and it's a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. And I went to my $5 movie theater here at the mall, and it was packed with kids. And it was a great thing just to see a bunch of these kids here and just watching Spider-Man up there. And it's the representation in this film is insane. And it's great just to have a different type of Spider-Man uh, that we haven't seen before. And it's nostalgic, it's refreshing, and it's everything that... I love in comic books in just one film. I absolutely agree. Overall, I what did you think? I mean, I think you may have mentioned this earlier, but what did you think about the animation style? Like, what made it so unique? Uh, I, I think what's interesting is that when I first saw the trailer for it, I thought it's an inch. First of all, the movement of it, because animation is about movement and capturing that. But it made sense for the story because we're going into interdimensional travel. So it's the kind of jittering, kind of like, Almost, uh, like, flip book style of it was absolutely perfect and made this film even more unique. But take that away, it's, you're literally watching a comic book come to life. And not, it's not a gimmick. It, that's what, what I think is great about that. It's not, this film is not fueled on the gimmick of its animation. It's fueled by well-developed characters, a sensational story uh, following Miles Morales, and... Uh, a, a star-studded voice acting cast, so much humor, so much hype, that the animation is a the star of this film, but it's also not the main bulk of it, if that makes sense. It's it's just nice to have an anime an anime an animation film that's that's fueled by unique animation and of course a a star-studded cast and story. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That was that was one of my biggest takeaways from the movie too. It's it's just not a gimmick. It, it's it's just a good movie in in and of itself. I mean, the animation style was new, but it makes sense what they're using. And I feel like it's honestly something that a lot of other people are gonna kind of rip off and like turn into something else just because of the success of this movie. But you did mention that star-studded cast. Who is your favorite out of the cast? I can't. I can't. I mean, choose. I think that's a hard question to ask, actually. But I mean, overall, just you know. Talk about the cast. I mean, um, okay, I'm, I'm going to be quick about this. So I think um, for 
for just comedic purposes in general, I love John Mulaney. John Mulaney is my hero, my king, and him and Spider-Ham is fantastic. But I also got to say, having Nicolas Cage in there, voicing a 1920s detective version of Spider-Man is, I would pay, I would pay money just to watch an hour and a half of his recording sessions of that. That's, that alone just would be the price worth the price of admission. But put those two aside, I really feel like that, that Jake Johnson um, voicing a very <laughs> kind of a depressing Spider-Man because he's a middle-aged man that's just kind of lost hope. Jake Johnson's uh, for I love Jake Johnson in New Girl, and that's where I I first saw him and first fell in love with him. And to see him in this film is well to hear him in this film is great because he's a he's a great he's a different type of Peter Parker that we haven't seen before. So I gotta say Jake Johnson my favorite, but again. You got Mahershala Ali, you got Haley Steinfeld, you got Shamik Moore, you got Lily Tomlin, and uh, sorry, Lily Tomlin, Chris Pine. I mean, so many great voice actors in this film, and all of them are just transformed into this character. If I had to give this film five stars, I would give this ten out of five stars. It's a fantastic film. If you still have a chance to see it in theaters, please do. It's worth seeing in theaters. Go check it out and get it on DVD, get it on Blu-ray, get the merchandise. Watch this film, watch this film, watch this film. Five out of five stars. Children of all ages. Please go see this film. And I think that about sums up everything we got to say about Into the Spider-Verse. As Kiefer said, if you haven't seen this movie, you, you just got to watch it. it it's, it's a one-of-a-kind experience. You know, you, it's just something you just need to check out. Like, it's not it's not all the hype. It's not all that. It, it's, it is what it is. All right. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we have been talking about building blocks with Tim Kubert, Alita Battle Angel, fighting with my family, and as our last one was, Into the Spider-Verse. And now we are going to be talking about Director's Close-Up, Independent Spirit, a Director's Roundtable with the magnificent Jerry. So, Jerry, this is a lot of words, but overall, what, 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 what did you think about the event? Oh, I absolutely love this event. <clears throat> Excuse me. This was a really, really great panel. I'm just going to read off a huge list of names that were here. There was Bo Burnham. There was Deborah Gunnerk. There was uh, Barry Jenkins, Tamara Jenkins, Boots Riley, Paul Schrader. They all made pretty big films this year. And, I mean, I couldn't be more pleased. You know, there was just so much wisdom shared. And I believe at least two or three of them are at least nominated for Oscars. So I was really glad to go to this panel. They covered a huge, huge range of topics that ranged from the color of the film to production design to just setting the mood of scenes and so much, much more. And it was really a great event and probably one of my favorite events of Director's Close-Up this year so far. Sounds very interesting. You know, even as I was just, I looked up, I looked up at the event, you know, I was, at first I was confused on what it was, but I looked into it and it just sounded really interesting. Um, did you get to meet any of the directors? And if so, who are your favorites? Sally, not, I did not get to meet any of the favorites, but I have to say, I really like Bo Burnham because he was one of those people who's a really great entertainer. You know, he's a comedian, so he can really get an audience going, but he's also really incredibly smart. I love towards the end when they started taking audience questions, he went on this five to ten minute rant about the internet and how we connected and very philosophical rants. And it was just really interesting to listen to what he said was so true about how we connect to the internet and how we develop with the internet. 
And for people who are, don't have context, Bo Burnham directed the film Eighth Grade, which looks very detailed into a modern eighth grade girl's life on as online as well as in person, kind of how the two worlds interact with each other. I believe Eighth Grade was his directorial debut, right? Yes, it was. It was very much a surprise because Bo Burnham was a comedian. He has a YouTube channel. But Eighth Grade is very much a serious topic film. It has its humor here and there, but it's very mature and very well crafted. So it's extremely impressive and very promising for his uh, future in filmmaking. Yeah, for sure. Did he ever like did he talk about just the initial challenges that came in like a first time directorial debut, which from what I've seen looked absolutely amazing? Yeah, he kind of did touch on it. Like, there's quite a few scenes for people who saw the film where it's just her alone with her phone in the dark. And there's not a lot of films that really tackle the subject of interacting with your smartphone solely as a main theme of the film. And he really wanted that in his film, so he had to do a lot of tests to make sure that it would actually appear on camera. For people who don't know, cameras don't like lights. You need to give them really a lot of lights for it to show anything. And Although it's getting better with smartphones being able to do pretty good quality videos, you still need a lot of light. So that they were able to capture that image was pretty amazing. And he also talked about acting. Of course, there's child actors that he had to manage, which is very, very painful for any director to do. And he actually said that the only rehearsals he did was between the daughter and the father, the main characters, to get their connection, their relationship really perfect. And other than that, it was just all the characters going as they could. That's very interesting. From the panels overall, did you feel like the directors they had they each had their own they each had their own unique approach towards directing? Oh yeah, definitely. You know how I mentioned uh, rehearsals? They actually had a whole debate about this. Paul Schrader, he believed rehearsals was crucial. It was absolutely necessary, and you absolutely have to do them. He believed that you could not improvise on set. You had to figure everything out beforehand. While Bo Burnham and Barry Jenkins, I believe as well, they really disagreed. While Barry Jenkins did do a table read in the process of writing his script, they both really opted to do uh, improvisation kind of on set and kind of figuring out on set, doing different moods instead of planning it all ahead of time. Definitely. I mean, I agree. So, I mean, I think it's a very interesting debate that was going on. Like, like you mentioned, uh, I thought it was very interesting that you mentioned the whole issue with lighting. Did a lot of other directors talk about that issue? Yeah, you know, I actually really like what Barry Jenkins said about uh, lighting. If, if you don't know, Barry Jenkins has a lot of African-American people in his films, and cameras often have a problem with uh, darker skin because it doesn't reflect, it reflects light very differently. So what he actually did was he took these advanced cameras, I believe they were red cameras, and literally reprogrammed the way they process color from bottom up. And that's how he was able to get very good quality pictures no matter the quality of the lighting or the amount of lighting, on his Oscar award-winning film, Moonlight, as well as his new film, If Beale Street Could Talk. Wow, never knew that. I mean, what, you know. So, overall, did you get to see any of the movies that the directors presented? They show clips from all of them. I've personally seen Eighth Grade already myself, and I also saw Sorry to Bother You from Boots Riley. And I have to say, they're all really talented. All films on the panel, I'd say, cover a very important issue in society and have really big themes and metaphors in them, but they just show them so absolutely different. And I really like that they're all very unique filmmakers. Definitely, for sure. This has been an amazing discussion, Jerry. Thanks, for, thanks so much for joining us. We learned a lot. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look out for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Yokai Watch Season 1. I'm Arjun Nair from Brentwood, Tennessee. Thanks for listening. for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.